It's the 2022 World Cup. It's Croatia's players. Hello and welcome to the International Soccer Preview by Soccer Files Canada. I'm Kevin and today we'll be looking at Croatia's squad for the 2022 Short World Cup. Short version, please. and we'll move on to a discussion of the squad and I suppose I should explain the weird shirt that I'm wearing I was just looking for the closest thing that I could find to the white and red checkers of Croatia so sorry for uh, Croatian fans if this is a uh, a bit of a distant approximation of it but the problem could always be solved by some beloved Croatian fan sending a shirt my way because I have a bit of poverty of international shirts I'm working on it uh, and hopefully in future podcasts I'll be a bit more accurate in uh, wearing the shirt of the the, the nation that I'm covering. Anyway, uh, let's go back to some of the notes we had. So we introduced a few at the beginning. Uh, some of them were team notes and some of them were more squad notes. So I'll dispense with the team notes uh, quickly here. Uh, we talked about was 2018 uh, just good fortune. And I won't repeat all that. But uh, one thing we did note that it was uh, kind of consistent with Yugoslavia, the former Yugoslavia's intermittent success. So Croatia more than uh, Serbia um, kind of repeating their their record of, of sometimes rising up uh, to the uh, semifinals uh, and then sometimes not making the cup or just uh, reaching the group stage. Uh, but one of the main questions we had with uh, Croatia was, um, and uh, is it an aging squad? And um, uh, having gone through the player by player uh, section of the podcast, we, we can talk about it more uh, in more concrete terms. So uh, certainly their biggest names and the ones that stood out in the 2018 World Cup are aging. Uh, some of them having retired already, we'll review those players leaving the squad soon. However, that could be said of most nations, that their, their biggest names are their uh, older players. And uh, we saw in the player-by-player player also that they have, they have brought in a lot of youth. Uh, so the question really becomes whether that youth, uh, those younger players, will reach the height of the veterans, um, of the veterans especially in the 2018 uh, World Cup. Uh, and in a sense, that leads us to the uh, the last question that came out of previous podcast is, in this World Cup, is uh, Croatia kind of battling with Belgium for first place or perhaps comfortably finishing second above Morocco and Canada? Or will they find themselves embroiled in a battle with Morocco and or Canada um, and, uh, you know, have to have to fight? Uh, for second place and perhaps uh, not even um, make second place. So uh, most kind of superficial viewers are looking at Belgium and Croatia as the clear winners of the cup with Morocco and Canada just happy to be there. But in our in our podcast, we, we thought it would be um, not so easy. 
and that Morocco and Canada could provide a challenge. We'll see. Let's talk about uh, Croatia's club affiliations. And um, some of the players uh, were with bigger clubs and, and have kind of... Um, uh, uh, because of their aging, kind of moved either back to Croatia or down to smaller clubs. But we still have uh, players with some pretty big clubs. So goalkeeper Ivo Gerbic is with Atletico Madrid. And these are younger players, uh, Joseph Stanisic with Bayern Munich. Um, uh, those, those are kind of the, the elite clubs. Uh, Kovacic is with Chelsea and Modric still with uh, Real Madrid and Brozovic with uh, Inter Milan. Um, Tottenham Hopster, uh, Ivan Perisic has just moved there and moving from even bigger clubs still. Um, and then we have a, a number of players at kind of uh, secondary but good clubs like Wolfsburg, uh, Wolfsburg, um, Southampton in England, uh, Celtic, AEK Athens, Stuttgart, uh, kind of at that level. So I would say uh, about a third of their players are playing in um, in Croatia and Dinamo Zagreb, uh, kind of the team that seemed to pop up again and again. And they have uh, uh, four players with Dinamo Zagreb, actually five. And then a couple of others like Hajduk Split and Vrijeka, um, uh among the bigger clubs in uh in Croatia, Osijek as well. So um, pretty good club affiliation there. And let's move on to the next part, which is a, a bit of a, a number crunch on, on the team here. So all the way through these podcasts, I've been saying players called up since 2020, but it's actually, uh, I'm considering uh, players called up since 2021. And how many players do they kind of have on the slate uh, as options before them? Uh, now, of course, some of those players have drifted off the team for quite a while, but uh, it's a good measure. It kind of compares, you know, how many how many options they have available to them. Well, as far as Croatia goes, uh, it is 43 players, and that is uh, quite a bit lower than most teams. Um, the average is 49.6, so 49 or 50 players that uh, have played for them over the past two years, roughly. And um, Croatia have kept it fairly small. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, in some cases, it might mean a lack of, of players that they have options for. I would say that's only true for Croatia in the forward position, a bit of a lack of options, but uh, otherwise not really a problem. Uh, we have the next one, total players under more serious consideration. So these would be the players we've listed as definite, likely or possible in the player-by-player -player podcast. And Croatia has 32. Actually, I'm finding most teams are pretty similar as far as this goes. And uh, uh, the average is 33, so not much to uh, delve into there. And uh, this other stat, which I'll try to improve in future contracts, uh, future um, podcasts or future media cast. Uh, how many definite and likely are there? So for Croatia, there's 23. Uh, the average is 21. 
So uh, they seem a bit more stable in the squad than uh, some squads kind of having decided on most of the players they would bring to the cup. And if we just uh, uh, think in terms of, uh, let's say they fill 23 positions, maybe one or two less if injuries play a role or if players are not called up uh, in September, but we'll say roughly uh, 23 and they have 32 players to fill those uh, three spots because they bring 26 to the cup. So uh, we'll see a couple of those uh, possible players making the cup, and there's always room for players who suddenly come into good form or what have you. So uh, things looking um, uh, pretty much on path, so no big headaches to deal with for Croatia. And we're going to see they don't have a lot of injury problems either. Now, something we've made a lot of in the podcasts uh, for the team is the average age of the team. So um, I've always found 25 to 27 is the average age, but I am finding uh, teams in this World Cup a bit older. Uh, and here I'm looking at the definite, likely impossible players. Uh, 26.8 is the average, and uh, 27 is what uh, Croatia's average age is. So it's actually just slightly above average. But uh, let's break it down a bit. Uh, we see that their veterans, you know, th those uh, players who came out of the 2018 World Cup are uh, in their 30s now. Uh, but in fact, there's only six of them. Uh, Luka Modric is by far the oldest at 37. And then we have uh, three players at 33. But they are big players, uh, Lovren, Vida and Perisic. And then two players at 31, Kramaric and Budimir. Um, so actually, you know, maybe not as old as we've been uh, making out uh, on the whole. Uh, it's just that the, the veteran players, and we're going to see some who have retired, uh, uh, did age out. On the other hand, they have um, uh, brought quite a bit of youth into the team. So just one 20-year-old, but players between 22 and 24, they have uh, nine. Uh, so basically, we'll say 10 players who are under 24. So um, we did say in the podcast that they were doing a fairly good job rejuvenating, and this, uh, this kind of shows it. Again, the question is whether those newcomers are of the same quality as the outgoing players, but only time will tell. Uh, as far as average caps goes, uh, it's 34.4. So again, some of those senior players have a tremendous amount of caps. Uh, but, and so on the whole, they have uh, five more than the average, which is 29.5. So uh, a fairly experienced team. And because they're small uh, uh, in terms of the, the total number of players who have been starting, they probably play together uh, quite well, uh, familiar with each other, because they don't have a lot of players coming and going. Uh, total goals is 130, which is kind of a meaningless statistic unless we put it in context. But those are the total goals of the uh, definite likely impossible players. Overall, it's 130, um, which, which uh, is actually lower than other teams. So we need to put it into context. And I've developed a new statistic, um, average goals per cap. And for uh, Croatia, that's 12.6%. Uh, the average is 13.7%. So among the teams I've uh, done this for, which is, uh, let me just see how many teams I've 
run this statistic for uh, 22 teams uh, so far. Um, they are one of the lowest, actually. Uh, we've talked about Australia struggling for goals. Australia is 12.5%. And uh, basically any team around that percentage, we've mentioned kind of goals uh, as a problem. And um, um, yeah, so goals are a problem and that kind of fits with what we saw uh, with them looking for a kind of a center forward. Uh, Kramer, it seems the main candidate, but he only has uh, two goals in qualifying. But perhaps I've been a bit hasty there with Krameric because overall he has 19 goals in 73 games, which is a fairly respectable uh, 26%. Uh, and the only player higher than him is actually Ivan Perisic with uh, 28%, 32 goals in 115 games there. And sorry, I missed, um, uh, surprisingly, Lovro Madger, um, the midfielder who has, uh, well, three goals in 10 games, 30%. It is a higher percentage, but maybe not enough games to really make any big claims, uh, any big claims there. So we'll uh, kind of focus on um, players who have played, say, 15 or more games uh, for this statistic. Luka Modric is at 15%, uh, Nikola Vlasic, 17 and Pas uh, Pasalic. Pasalic, Mario Pasalic, uh, also around 15%. So um, one thing I can say is that they do kind of have scorers all over the field. Um, however, um, even 26% uh, for, for um, um, Kramerich as, as the player that they're considering as a center forward is a little bit low. Uh, especially in context of their overall struggles to uh, to find a center forward. So scoring a bit of a problem for uh, Croatia uh, here, and we'll see how that plays out in the cup. Let's look at some of the uh, issues then. So in defense, we have uh, Livakovic, uh, Ibusovic, uh, sorry, Ibusic, or is it a rotation of the players there uh, of the goalkeepers. So uh, recently, in, in recent games, it's been a rotation of Livakovic and Ivusic. Um, but uh, if we have to pick one, well, I'll let you know that when we do our starters. Um, uh, maybe one of the bigger issues on the squad is it are they going with the old or the new central defence? So we saw that uh, Kaletakar, Lovren and Vida um, were the kind of the uh, rotation of starters in the first half of the period we're talking about, uh, including the Euro Cup. And then uh, Gavardiol came into the picture kind of halfway through World Cup qualifying. However, they underwent a really huge change in the friendlies and Nations League games uh, towards the end of 2020 or um, towards the end of the period in March and June 2022, and uh, uh, ended up trying out all sorts of names, but emerging with uh, Ehrlich and Sutalo as the main pairing at the end of uh, Nations League. So uh, it'll be, uh, the question is, who will it be in the cup? Basically the veterans. Coletta Carr is not so uh, as old as Lovren and Bida, or will it be these new uh, players coming in, Ehrlich and Sutalo? I'm anxious to kind of see what they do in their friendlies in September. All right, for left defense, again, is it Sosa? 
is it Barisic or is it neither for left defence? Because in the last two games, we saw right defender Juranovic coming over into the position. So it makes me wonder whether the manager's not satisfied with Sosha or Barisic uh, in the position. On uh, As a right back, um, well, I said, will it be Versa, uh, Versalico or Stan, uh, Stanisic? Um, they both returned to the right-back position when Juranovic moved over. So it was steadily Juranovic until the last two games. And then these two players stepped in. Well, we know it won't be uh, uh, Versalico because... Um, sorry, I'm not really sure how to pronounce that name. Because uh, even though he started the last game in June, uh, he announced his retirement in August. So uh, it wouldn't be him. It might be Stanisic playing on the right and Juvenovic moving over to the left. Juranovic, I should say. Um, again, the friendlies in September may shed some light on that. In the midfield, there's not much to talk about. Um Steady selection of starters uh, there. Um, real veterans in the midfield, Modric and Brozovic and, uh, and, and um, Kalinic, uh, Kalinic. Okay, um, I just have the feeling I'm saying his name wrong. Uh, anyway, um, on the attack, we basically have... Um, um, problem scoring goals or a bit of a problem scoring goals uh, not enough goals really uh, for Croatia so uh, as a left attacker is it going to be Perisic or Brekalo uh, well basically Brekalo did play in the position a few times along with a couple of other players uh, but really uh, three out of four times in June was replacing Perisic who was injured so I'm, I'm uh, tempted to uh, um, say that Perisic uh, will come back into the position. In fact, I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, Ivan Usic or Madger uh, or a rotation as right attacker. These two have been kind of rotating in the position. Will they nail it down to one? Or it seems like rotation of players is becoming more popular, so it might be both of them. And the uh, situation is similar up front with uh, Kramaric or Budimir. Uh, it could be both of them playing as centre-forward because they sometimes do go with two uh, centre-forwards. Um, Kramer, it seems to have the edge here. Uh, again, it could be uh, a rotation, um, you know, but again, they don't fully seem uh, satisfied with Krammerich. Uh, as the centre forward, because in the in the Euro Cup and in the first few games they were trying out uh, other players, um, you know, and uh, the sheer number of centre forwards is a bit lower than uh, most teams bring to the cup. Anyway, those are some of the issues. Let's move on to uh, new players. So, um, actually, more than most teams, um, um, Croatia's new players are making inroads into the squad. So we have. Uh, four of them at the likely level, and then uh, six of them at the possible level. So we went over these players in the player-by-player, player, so we'll really just mention them uh, by name here. So goalkeeper uh, Ivica Ivusevic, uh, sorry, Ivusic, is uh, not young, actually, he's 27 years old, but he joined uh, Croatia in 2021. So we can consider him a new player and we consider him a likely candidate, uh, probably the third string keeper there. Josep uh, Stanisic, 
uh, also likely. Uh, he's 22 years old and it's with Bayern Munich in Germany. Um, so a kind of an exciting candidate as the uh, right back there. Um, and and um, yeah, if the regular right back moves over to the left, that would uh, open the door for him a little bit. Uh, Christian Jakic uh, hasn't started actually that many games. Um, but is 25 years old again uh, not that young but new to the squad in 2021 and plays for Eintracht Frankfurt in Germany and uh, he's listed as a defensive midfielder but he's also played uh, as an attacking midfielder too. Uh, Lovro uh, Major, um, he's 24 years old and uh, is playing uh, I believe uh, on the right side there. Uh, he actually returned after an absence too of four years. So he got his first cap in 2017, but really wasn't part of the squad until this uh, recent period, uh, Lovro Major. Now we have players who are at the uh, kind of possible level. So uh, I would imagine maybe half of these will make it. Um, Ivo Gerbic, um is a goalkeeper and he's playing for Atletico Madrid in Spain. He again is not young, 26 years old, but uh, first cap with Croatia was in 2021. Uh, uh, Nadilko Labrovic, uh, also a goalkeeper and um, just came into the squad. He is young at 23 years old doesn't have any caps for the squad. So maybe someone will see in the future because I think Gerbic would be ahead of him. Um, Martin Ehrlich, and I'll do him together with Joseph Sutalo. So both central defenders who we saw starting the last uh, two games as a pairing um, in June, uh, which makes us wonder what's going on uh, in central defense there. And... Um, uh, Ehrlich is 24 years old and Sutalo 22 years old um, and we'll see in the September games whether they show up again as the central defenders. Marin uh, Pongrasic, I think he played in friendlies uh, rather than in Nations League like the others two, but he has started three games uh, for them and he's 25 years old uh, since 2020 with the team. And finally, uh, you'll see the only defenders uh, uh, in this section. Uh, Borna Sosa, uh, he's 24 years old and plays for Stuttgart uh, in Germany and he came in towards the end uh, there but he kind of, um, uh, no he didn't, he came in after the Euro Cup and started and actually at the end wasn't selected for the last three matches so uh, possibly a bit less likely than the others you see on the list here. And then, yeah, for midfielders and forwards, we didn't really have any new candidates. So we're going to move on to injuries. And um, so far, so good for Croatia. The only player who seems to be injured right now is uh, Luka Susic. And he's a possible but unlikely candidate. Uh, he was out with a groin strain in early September. Uh, that seems to be something he would he would get over in time for the cup. Uh, so I don't think it's a big concern and uh, uh, no insult to him, but it wouldn't be a big loss for Croatia since he hasn't been playing that much for him. Uh, on the other hand, muscle problems uh, in the groin region can be tricky. So um, even though he has actually played uh, 
uh, played in early September. Um, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> you know, groin strain, uh, maybe kind of an ongoing thing, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, okay, let's move on to uh, the notable absences. And this is where we see uh, players who have left the team uh, especially since the 2018 World Cup for Croatia. But there are a couple who have left more recently. So uh, Lovri, Lovri Kalinic, basically a backup keeper uh, for them. But uh, his, his going along with Subasic um, um, means that the, you know, the, the goalkeepers that they have are um, kind of... Uh, less experienced, um, especially the backup keepers that they have right now. So uh, Lovri Kalinic, actually just 32 years old, so an outside chance of coming back into the picture, but he hasn't pay played since the 2021 Euro Cup. Sime uh, Versa, uh, I always have trouble with this name, Versa Lico, I'll say. Um, a veteran on the team and actually played in June of 2022, and uh, so one would have thought he was a candidate, but he actually announced his retirement in August. Um, but um, he was kind of fading out and being replaced by um, uh, the right defender there now, whose name is currently eluding me. Uh, you know, so uh, not a huge loss because he was kind of being replaced. Um, Anti Rebic, uh, a forward, never really made it onto the squad, so not a huge loss for them. But uh, they do lack forwards, and he was a starter uh, in the World Cup and in the Euro Cup, uh, but he hasn't played since the Euro Cup, so one less forward available to them. The rest of the uh, players I'm going to mention actually retired in 2018. Um, but there are people who just follow the these uh, uh, national teams from World Cup to World Cup, so maybe surprised to see them gone. Also, this is the some some of the key players who helped them reach the final of the World Cup. So um, big names that are not available to them uh, anymore. So Daniel Subasic, the uh, goalkeeper who was a starter uh, in the World Cup, he announced his retirement after the World Cup. Uh, Vedran Chorluka, uh, the central defender, also announced his retirement after the World Cup, but it was actually kind of drifting off the team. Uh, he was more important in the 2014 World Cup, but for the 2018 World Cup, he was only a substitute, but nevertheless, a big name uh, for them. Ivan Strinic. Uh, a, a defender who uh, was a starter in the 2018 World Cup, he retired um, after the World Cup because he was diagnosed with a heart condition. But uh, he still, uh, yeah, and he um, um, uh, also retired from soccer. Um, that's, yeah, uh, AC Milan uh, let him go because of that heart condition. Uh, Ivan Rakitic. Um, I think he continued playing uh, a little while after the World Cup, but the World Cup was his last competition. And uh, he kind of unexpectedly announced his retirement in September 2019, so a year after the World Cup, but not available to them now. And he was also a starter 
in the uh, 2018 uh, World Cup. And finally, we talked about him in the player-by-player, -player, Mario Mandzukic. And uh, a big kind of loss for them because they seem to be struggling to replace the forward. So he was uh, starting forward in the 2018 uh, World Cup there. So a lot of, uh, a lot of veterans uh, missing there. And just a, a note on uh, Nikolo Kalinic. Uh, he was selected for the World Cup 2018. And he came to the cup and was on the bench and apparently not happy about that because he refused to come in as a substitute. Um, and he was sent home, but he was never uh, a really big player for the club, actually, um, uh, uh, on, on the bench, really, for all of the tournaments he appeared in uh, since 2008. And sometimes he wasn't uh, even selected for tournaments. So... I'm not sure why he was uh, expecting to be a starter, but there we have it. Um, uh, okay, so let us go back and um, go over the squad again, and we'll try to nominate starters. But as I said, um, more and more we're kind of seeing uh, teams going with rather a rotation of starters. So I've decided to use yellow uh, to denote when it's uh, two players kind of rotating or when there's a kind of a strong possibility of them starting some, but not all games. I'll just get rid of this highlight here so as not to confuse. So let's start with goalkeepers. And uh, no, let's start with the manager. So uh, Zlatko Dalic, uh, well, with his success for the 2018 uh, World Cup, um, um, he's been very successful as a manager, so I don't see them letting him go at this late date. Uh, Dominic Levakovic, I would say I would nominate him as the starting goalkeeper, although it might be a rotation with uh, Ivica Ivusic, which they have been doing uh, in recent games. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see Ivusic starting a few games. The two possible candidates are Ivo Gerbic and uh, uh, Nedaliko Labrovic, and so they'll probably be buying for the uh, third string keeper position there. Among central defenders, we have had a rotation uh, in in the early part, uh, early to middle part of the cup. Um, it was uh, Duje Kaletakar, Dejan Lovren, and Domagoj Vida rotating, and then Josko Gvardiol came into that rotation a bit later on. But it all got blown up in, in the friendlies and Nations League games with virtually none of those players uh, showing up, just Carletta Carr, and rather uh, a bunch of new players emerging as uh, Martin Ehrlich and, uh, and Joseph Sutalo. So I really don't know what to do here. I don't know if these veterans are um, kind of off the squad. I don't think they are or whether these new ones are going to replace them. So I got to say, I'm just leaving this as a confused blank. Uh, left back, though, um, well, left back is also confusing because it looked like it would be uh, Borna Sosa or Borna Baric, uh, Barisic. I think actually Barisic will uh, make it to the cup. Um, 
but again, that kind of got blown up in the last two games when right back uh, Joseph Juranovic moved over and played the last two games. So I don't know whether that means they weren't satisfied with the left midfielder. So I, I got to leave that one blank too. But I can say that right back Joseph Juranovic will be a starter, whether it's on the left or on the right. And um, uh, we also have Joseph Stanisic as a likely uh, on the right back, whereas Sosha and Barisic are, are just possible candidates. So I wouldn't be surprised to see um, Joseph Juranovic moving over to the left and Joseph Stanisic uh, playing on the right. But I'm going to leave it blank right now because I really uh, can't hazard a guess. It's a bit easier in the midfield, though. Uh, defensive midfielder Christian Jakic, I see him more as a substitute. He's a likely candidate, but uh, uh, a substitute. But I think the central midfielder Marcelo Brozovic uh, will be a definite, uh, uh, definitely make the squad, but will be a starter. And I see um, Matteo Kovacic, that was the name I was scrambling for uh, earlier on. Matteo Kovacic and Luka Modric, I see them both uh, uh, starting. And... Um, uh, oh, sorry. Yeah, so the, that uh, central midfield of Brozovic, uh, Kovacic and Modric, uh, I don't see any challenges to their starting. Again, they may uh, bring in a player for one game or two to get them rest or what have you. Um, Mario Pasalic uh, is an attacking midfielder. He's kind of been used um, all over the place, so uh, I'm not confident enough to say uh, he'll be a starter, though. Um, I just want to kind of go back and look at how many games he started, actually, since uh, um, this period. He has started 10 of their 13 games, uh, kind of moves around the field a little bit, which is why I guess I'm having a bit of trouble pinning him down. So I think he will be a starter. Um, yes, I'm going to be bold and say so. Uh, a left attacking midfielder, well, Perisic was injured at the end there in June, so Brekalo took over. Um, I think they'll both reach the cup. We have Perisic as definite and Brekalo as likely. I think they'll both reach the cup, and I wouldn't even be surprised to see Brekalo uh, starting a few games, but I think Perisic uh, will be the starting left attacking midfielder. But uh, he is getting old and not necessarily playing 90-minute games. So I think there will be room for Brekalo, perhaps even starting as the left attacking midfielder. On the right, though, uh, it seems to be uh, more of a rotation. So I think uh, Vlasic, um, I think Vlasic will be a starter, but not necessarily uh, on the right. Uh, Vlasic started, well, he only started six of their games, so... Um, I think he'll definitely be there. But actually, I'm going to pick Ivan Usech and um, uh, Madger as kind of alternating starters uh, in the Cup. I think they'll both get a couple of starts. And I think Vlasic will, too, get a few starts, but I'm not confident enough that he'll be uh, named as a starter. So I'm, I'm kind of hedging my, <laughs> my bets a little bit here. Uh, again, Kramaric... Uh, 
seems to be the starting forward, but I don't really feel like they have great confidence in him. Nevertheless, even if he doesn't start as centre forward, I think they, they will start him uh, perhaps as an attacking midfielder. So I'm going to say he's a definite starter. Anti Budimir, uh, despite having rotated a bit with Kramerich as a centre forward, strikes me more as a, as a substitute. So I'm not uh, confident enough even to mark him uh, in yellow. And uh, yeah, you see a bit of a lack of forwards there. So uh, I wonder even if in the cup, whether they'll be experimenting with some of the attacking midfielders they have playing that role of forward. Uh, it'll be interesting, especially with Croatia, to uh, see what they bring out in the September games uh, in late September and uh, in some of the friendlies, which I'm sure they're going to play uh, going into the cup. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the podcast here. I'll just show a little picture of Croatia and uh, see how closely my shirt matches their shirt there. Um, red and white anyway. <laughs> That's as close as I can get. Anyway, that brings us to the end of this media cast. So keep in mind, we'll be doing an update as new information comes out. Uh, that will probably be in early to mid-November uh, when the teams publish their final squad list so that we can tell you how it all turned out. Meanwhile, keep an eye on us at Soccer Files Canada. That's Soccer Files with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. And on our website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. Um, and check the show notes. I've been improving the show notes uh, to give more information. So there are links to our website and uh, some good information there for you. Thanks so much for listening, and we will see you when we cover our next team. Bye-bye. <laughs>
making them one of the top teams, but otherwise their results uh, have fallen off quite a bit since their dynasty period. Uh, finally, is the absence of Real Madrid players in the 2020 Euro Cup significant? Well, certainly the fact that uh, there were no Real Madrid players angered uh, fans of that team. So that actually leads us nicely into the next uh, section where we look at club affiliations. And uh, I'd say about two thirds of the players uh, play in Spain. And um, we have six players for Barcelona. Uh, and we're talking about the players in our definite, uh, likely and possible categories here. Uh, six of them with Barcelona and two, only two of them with Real Madrid. So, you know, perhaps there is a bit of an issue there. I got to admit that I'm not uh, intimate enough with Spain to really um, uh, uh, comment on this. I don't really follow the kind of day-to-day -day dramas of the team, but, but more of a broad overview. Uh, so you'd probably have to... Um, uh, find another podcast to get into the kind of day-to-day -day, uh, gossip and talk about the team. Uh, anyway, we do have uh, three players for Real Madrid, uh, sorry, Atletico Madrid, and then uh, several players, uh, a couple of players for Villarreal and Valencia. So the main teams in Spain, they're uh, all being represented. And Atletico Bilbao, a bit of a smaller team, um, Inigo Martinez coming from there. Otherwise, about a third of the players uh, kind of play outside of um, outside of Spain. With uh, actually most of them being in Europe. Uh, sorry, in England here. A couple with Manchester City, and uh, 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 a couple with Paris Saint Germain, and otherwise. Uh, uh, smaller teams, uh, Leipzig is kind of moving up in Germany, but they're not a top team yet, I would say. Uh, in England, we have Chelsea, but we also have a couple of smaller clubs like Leeds United, Brentford and Brighton uh, being represented. So uh, pretty strong club affiliations and still about two thirds of the team uh, coming from uh, teams in Spain. Let's look at a couple of statistics that I've been putting together uh, in comparison with the other national teams in the tournament. And for average, uh, uh, well, for total players under consideration, um, we have uh, 50 for Spain, with the average being 50.3. So uh, kind of bang on form there. Not too many, uh, not too little. They will have to make a few uh, decisions and cuts along the way, but nothing to uh, really comment on there. For a uh, number of candidates under more serious consideration, that would be uh, definite, likely, and possible candidates, uh, 32. And that's actually a little bit lower. So Spain has kind of stuck with the same players a little bit more than other teams. But again, not a lot to talk about there. It's kind of uh, in range. And then candidates that are uh, definite or likely, so uh, we'd almost be surprised to not see them make the cup, is 23. So if we have to reduce the squad for, to 26 players, that means uh, they ha have to basically add three players. And that will be from the, uh, from the 32 players, probably. Uh, so a couple of uh, decisions to... Uh, to make. We also have uh, some injured players that are concerned, so that might change it up a little bit. Uh, in terms of average age, uh, Spain's is 26.9, uh, 
that's within the 25 to 27 range uh, that I've been talking about, but actually is a bit towards the upper end of that range. So we can consider Spain kind of a slightly uh, older team than average, but not uh, really anything of concern. Uh, they do have uh, Marcos Lorente, 37 years old, as their oldest uh, player, and they have nine players who are 30 or older. And at the bottom of the scale, that compares with six players who are 22 or younger. And in fact, they have uh, three players um, who are younger than 22. And uh, Pablo Sarabio, a definite candidate, is one of them. So, um, yeah, again, not really anything to comment on there because it's basically in range. Average number of caps is 27.4. So the average is 27.5. So really nothing to uh, draw from that statistic. Total number of goals is a bit surprising for me, uh, 79, uh, a bit low to be honest. I thought Spain was kind of a higher scoring team, so let's take a look at that. Uh, total goals per player on average is 2.8, and uh, that is actually uh, lower than the 3.6 average. So again, I'm taken a bit by surprise here by uh, 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 having thought that Spain um, was a higher scoring team than they seem to be. But let's take a look at the scorers in a bit more detail. And we uh, saw during the player-by-player -player podcast, actually, that Alvaro Morato has a very good scoring ratio. That's 47%. And Ferran Torres is 43%. So both of those uh, big scorers. Pablo Sarabio with nine goals in 24 games is at 37%. However, that's a bit of a, a, a big drop-off after that. Uh, Carlos Sora is next with 27%, and everyone else is below 20%, uh, including Danny Olmo and um, uh, uh, any of the other forwards under consideration. So uh, actually, Jeremy Pino... Uh, one goal in six games doesn't really count. We need a bit more uh, data to really uh, draw a conclusion there. So, uh, again, just in general, a bit less scoring than I thought they would be, but um, uh, not uh, really an issue of great concern. Uh, let's move to some of the issues uh, uh, for Spain. And uh, one is uh, one issue in defense is uh, inexperienced backup keepers. So uh, the backup keepers seem to be Sanchez and Rea, and each of them have one cap. So I wonder if uh, this could be a reason to actually take David De Gea, uh, since uh, Unai Simon himself only has 27 caps. So uh, he's a bit inexperienced himself, and maybe David De Gea could bring some experience to the bench. Uh, we also have Emmerich Laporte's health and fitness. Uh, he is due back, I think, at the end of September. Uh, so um, that's kind of an important consideration for Spain uh, uh, to have him back in defence. Uh, we do have kind of a rotation of defenders, central defenders, uh, there, which we'll talk about when we try to pin down the starters. Uh, Alba or Alonso for left-back. Again, I'm beginning to suspect that uh, Spain is rotating positions on purpose, uh, kind of uh, having two players ready. So 
Uh, it seems for a lot of positions they have two players, uh, although uh, it's a bit surprising for goalkeepers that they haven't done the same thing. On the right side, we have the same situation as Filiqueta and Carvajal seemingly say, uh, uh, sharing the position, but uh, are they going to land on a, a consistent starter or is the philosophy more to have two starters uh, kind of rotating in and out? Same situation uh, in central midfield, uh, Busquets and, and Rodri. Well, actually, they have two central midfield positions available, so that is perhaps not uh, down to one player. And we saw, especially on the left side uh, of midfield, uh, it's a bit undecided. Um, uh, the formation uh, is very predictable. We saw they have a 4-3-3 all the time. So perhaps Spain adds unpredictability by using different players uh, in positions. And it seems that they, uh, for the right and left midfielders, both uh, both the in the middle of the field and the left and right forwards uh, rotate players in quite a lot. So it would be difficult to, to, to kind of know who's going to be starting. Uh, on attack, the issue, um, uh, Sarabia or Olmo seem to be uh, vying for the left forward position, but again, it could be more of a rotation. But the two positions that they do have fairly consistent starters for is goalkeeper and centre forward. Uh, otherwise, uh, it's going to be hard to pin down uh, the starters or predict the starters uh, when we get to that section. But before we get to that section, let's take a look at some uh, some of their new injured and absent players. So uh, I'm going to kind of go in order of importance. And what I mean by importance is uh, their likelihood to re reach the squad. So definite candidates, uh, Carlos Sola, a central midfielder, is new to the squad and plays for Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, Gavi, uh, also a central midfielder playing for Barcelona, uh, new to the squad also. Solar is actually 25 years old, but got his first cap in 2021, whereas uh, Gavi is 18 years old. Uh, so both of those new. Uh, goalkeeper David Rea, we have him as a likely candidate unless I'm correct in perhaps guessing that De Gea might uh, be brought in for experience. But David Rea uh, plays for Brentford in England. He's 27 years old, so not a young player, but he is new to the squad, getting his first cap in 2022. Uh, Inigo Martinez, a central defender who we also consider likely. Uh, he's actually 31 years old, uh, but has never made a tournament. Uh, I, I just put him on here because of that. Uh, he does have 19 caps since 2013. But in terms of being a serious candidate for the uh, team, he's new. Okay, I, I probably should have, shouldn't have put him on the list, I'll admit it. Uh, Marcus Alonso is also really uh, kind of new to the, to the Spanish squad. Has been on the team since 2018, but hasn't been involved in a tournament. But now that he seems to be uh, uh, getting some starts and is a likely candidate to reach the cup, uh, we kind of consider him a new consideration. And uh, by the way, for those watching on YouTube, if I have the player uh, player's name in, in light grey, excuse me, 
sorry, I have the cough there. If I have the player's name in uh, light grey, it means they've never been in a tournament. If it's in black, it means uh, they have been in a tournament. Anyway, Marcus Alonso, a likely candidate who uh, um, would be new to the uh, to tournament experience. Sergio Reguilón, we are, all have him as possible. So if it's a possible candidate, I'll really just go through the names here. Uh, Hugo Guillemot, also a possible candidate. Jeremy Pino, who we're going to talk about in injuries uh, right away here. And uh, Raul de Thomas, although... Um, it looks it looks almost certain that he won't be on the squad, uh, even though we had him as a possible candidate. But uh, perhaps look for him on the Spanish team after the World Cup. In terms of injuries, the most concerning one is Emmerich Laporte, but uh, he had knee surgery over the summer and is due back. I believe it's at the end of September. Uh, even if it's a little after that that seems to give him enough time to recover uh, for the cup. So they will definitely be hoping so, as he seems to be a starting central defender uh, if he's fit. Uh, Sergio Reguilón uh, was injured for the last four games. He has a groin muscle injury since May, and uh, even uh, now has an unknown return date. So Sergio Reguilón uh, really never made it into the squad uh, anyway, but uh, I, uh, if he had any chance of making it into the squad, this injury uh, may undermine that. Uh, Sergio, uh, Re Sergi, Sergi Roberto, uh, he's out with a muscle injury problem uh, in mid-September, and uh, I don't think we have a return date for him. But again, he's just a possible candidate, uh, even without the injury. Uh, we have Mikel Oyarzabal. Uh, this actually is a, you know, he's he's more of a starter than the ones we just mentioned. Uh, he's out with a cruciate ligament injury since March. However, he is expected back in mid-October. So those uh, September friendlies where we, we hope to get a bit of an update on the squad will come too soon. And we'll have to see if they have any uh, pre-tournament friendlies that'll give us an indication uh, of whether he's coming back. Uh, Jeremy Pino is a right winger, and um, he's out with an ankle, inju ankle injury in June. But uh, in my most recent look at the injury list, uh, he wasn't on it. So uh, I think he may already be back in action, Jeremy Pino. Uh, we also have Pedri. Uh, he was out with a hamstring injury in June. But it uh, seems to be over it now. Again, he wasn't uh, on the injury list when I last checked it. Uh, however, it did leave him out for the last four games there in uh, or in June. There And uh, wow, a long injury list here. We also have Danny Olmo out with a knee injury from early September. However, he is expected to come back in mid-October. So... Um, a long injury list and we're not done yet the last one is not an injury uh but it's uh thomas uh raul de thomas so we talked about this in the player by player and it seems a bit of a complicated story uh but the word is he's just simply won't be selected he was listed as ineligible uh but i don't think it's that i think it's that he uh well again i don't want to get into the story but something to do with a club transfer 
and uh, basically he can't play for his club in, until January, so he would lack the fitness to uh, to make the tournament. Anyway, uh, despite that large number of injuries, it seems like most of them uh, will be available, especially the big players there, Laporte, uh, Pedro, Olmo, and uh, Oyarzabal. Uh, all of them probably do back before uh, the uh, tournament. Okay, let's take a look at some notable absences. Well, I'm kind of cheating here. David De Gea is actually a possible but unlikely. So he's kind of drifted off the, off the Spanish team in recent times when I did talk about him perhaps coming back uh, because of his experience. So uh, not really off the team. Sergio Ramos, the uh, defender, uh, I covered him in the player-by-player -player podcast, but a true veteran for the team. But uh, he is uh, uh, 36 years old now. And he missed the Euro Cup, though that was due to injury, uh, but seems to be off the team now since he hasn't played since before the Euro Cup. Uh, Diego Costa. Uh, now we're talking about players really missing from the uh, uh, World Cup 2018 uh, because there are some, some uh, listeners who kind of follow these national teams from World Cup to World Cup. So uh, even though he and the following players weren't selected for Euro 2020. I'm just pointing them out uh, from the World Cup 2018. So De Costa not making Euro 2020 either, but he was a starter in the World Cup. Isco is also gone, uh, still playing club soccer, but uh, last appeared for the national team in June 2019. So he was, uh, again, a starter in the World Cup, but uh, didn't make the uh, Euro 2020. Andre Iniesta, uh, a starter in the World Cup, but he had retired by the time the Euro 2020 came around and uh, one of the key players of that uh, dynasty generation there. Uh, and David Silva, uh, uh, also a starter in the World Cup, but had announced his retirement uh, before the Euro 2020. So these are some big names. And we're not done yet. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> okay, that's the end of the notable absent list. So we have one more thing to do, and that is to go through and predict the starters uh, for the uh, Spanish team. And I'm going to actually use yellow, uh, the color yellow, to indicate um, a kind of a rotation here. So uh, Luis Enrique is the manager, and we'll almost uh, definitely remain manager, although they did uh, uh, fire a manager shortly before a cup in recent times, but uh, I doubt that will happen here. Uh, for goalkeeper, we can be quite certain that Unai Simon is the starter. I'll just name the definite and likely candidates. So we have Unai Simon as definite, Robert Sanchez as definite, and David Rea as likely. Uh, but... Uh, Unai Simon, uh, definitely the starter there, as he has started almost all of their games. In defense, it uh, is really uh, uh, a lot of players to deal with. So as a definite candidate, we have Pau Torres. And as likely candidates, we have Eric Garcia, Emmerich Laporte, and Inigo Martinez. 
and uh, there is quite a bit of rotation there. Uh, but I'm going to put Emmerich Laporte as a definite because I think if he's healthy, he will be uh, a starter. And uh, oh, this could be controversial, but uh, I'm going to put Pau Torres. Of course, we need two uh, two central defenders to start, but I'm going to put Pau Torres. Uh, Eric Garcia and Inigo Martinez as rotating, although I do think uh, um, uh, Torres and Garcia are probably the more likely candidates there. For left back, we have a bit of a rotation here. So in the past, it would have been uh, definitely Jordan Alba, but it's been fairly even uh in recent times. So I'm going to put Jordi Alba and uh, Marcus Alonso as rotating uh, there. Jordi Alba um, having played in tournaments before, but Marcus Alonso not. Uh, for right back, we have the same situation. Uh, Cesar Azpilicueta, the definite candidate, and Danny Carvajal, the likely candidate. Uh, both seem to rotate, and to be honest, I've come to, to come to believe that Spain is rotating these positions on on purpose. So rather than a kind of a firm starter with a backup, they're giving experience to two players by uh, alternating them in games so that they have both available uh, to start. Uh, central midfielders, uh, we have. Uh, Sergi Busquets, uh, sorry, this is defensive midfielders. Sergi Busquets and, and Rodri as definite candidates. And uh, huh, a 4 3 3, only one of them can start. So uh, I think I'm going to I'm gonna guess that it's a rotation uh, of those two players uh, in their 4 3 3 formation. Of course, they could always change for a formation and go with uh, two two central midfielders, but they've used a 4-3-3 all the way now, so I'm kind of working on that basis. I'm going to name the central midfielders here, uh, but actually we see that the, the actual central midfielders in that 4-3-3 formation are uh, Busquets and Rodri, so the central midfielders will play right or left midfield uh, actually gets complicated because some of the uh, wingers and attacking midfielders come back into this position, but uh, we'll try to handle it as best we can. So as definite candidates for players coded as uh, central midfielders, we have Carlos Soler and Gavi, and a likely candidate uh, for Marcos Lorente. But we'll actually talk about the position of left midfielder first. And uh, in that position... Uh, it's a real mix, actually, of uh, solar. So I'm just going to highlight these in yellow as alternate uh, players that uh, may alternate as starters. So uh, solar and Gavi, and then uh, attacking midfielder Koke coming back to play in this role of left midfielder, and uh, and Pedri who actually played the role in the Euro Cup. So. Again, I'm beginning to feel that um, Spain uh, uh, are predictable in their formation, but not predictable in who goes into that formation and perhaps do that to be unpredictable. So I think any one of those could start. And uh, the four um, 
or some of the four will actually share the role, uh, different ones starting different games. Uh, all four of those could also be on the right midfield, but I'm going to uh, um, add Marcos Lorente there as someone who might uh, start a game uh, as a right midfielder. But as I say, I think all five of those players will uh, could well get starts. Ooh, quite complicated and uh, no less complicated in the left forward role. So we'll actually, uh, for Spain, because of the 4-3-3, we put left wingers and right wingers uh, into the forward category because they uh, generally will play left forward or right forward. And for left wingers, uh, also kind of a rotation is the best guess we can make. Uh, and the three players there are uh, attacking midfielder Pablo Sarabio, and he may start anywhere, left, right, or even as a forward. Uh, same with Danny Olmo, uh, generally on the left, but uh, could start in any of those three forward positions. And if he's fit, um, Mikel Oyarzabal. So, oops, uh, I can't really, I can't really um, uh, pin it down to a starter. However, I'm going to be bold on the right side on the right wing and say Terran Forez is a starter there. Again, he may start um, in a different position in that forward line, but uh, he's he's been fairly steady as the starting right winger. And same for the forward, uh, Alvaro Morata, I'm going to put as the default starter, but uh, we also have Olmo and Sarabia sometimes stepping into that position. So a lot of fluidity in the front line there. So I'll just go through those players uh, again because it was quite confusing. Um, so central midfielders, uh, Carlos Soler, Gavi as definite to make the squad. Marcos Lorente is likely to make the squad. And all three of those as potential starters, uh, probably in a rotation. For left wingers, uh, we have Mikel Oyarzabal as possible, but that's largely because he uh, was a bit of an injury doubt but I think if he's back, he would be uh, a likely candidate. And uh, for right-wingers, we have a definite Ferran Torres and uh, a possible Jeremy Pino, who may show up, uh, but more likely a substitute if he's on the squad. Uh, but we put Ferran Torres down as, the, uh, as a definite starter on the right wing, or at least in the forward line. For attacking midfielders... Uh, we have definite candidates in Koke and uh, Sarabia and a likely candidate in Pedre. And uh, Koke and Pedre are more in the middle of the midfield and I think they'll be rotating starters. And Pablo Sarabia, actually I'm going to put him as a definite to start somewhere, uh, although where uh, is kind of up to question because he plays any of the positions on the front line. And for forwards, we have Alvaro Morato as a definite and Danny Olmo as a likely. But Danny Olmo uh, more often plays as the left forward, but does play any of those three positions. And so I think he'll be a rotating starter. Whew, that brings us to the end of the uh, predictions. And um, 
we will uh, uh, see if we can shed more light on this, but uh, I'm not sure there is more light to be shed if Spain uh, purposely kind of rotates positions, rotates starters, uh, so as to uh, remain a bit unpredictable. So keep in mind that we'll be doing an update as new information comes out. That will probably be in early to mid-November when the rosters are published, and we're going to do the podcast uh, once the final rosters are published, we can tell you who made the squad and also give any updates that are relevant, especially on injuries for Spain. Meanwhile, keep an eye on us at Soccer Files Canada. That's Soccer Files with a PH in the middle and an S at the end. And our website, uh, uh, website at soccerfiles.captivate.fm. And uh, check the show notes. We've been improving the show notes. Uh, for links to our websites and previous podcast series, we've now made playlists uh, for each series on uh, YouTube. So thank you for listening, and I hope you join us for the next media cast. Bye bye. <laughs>